a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The days of college football players being amateurs, probably over. Helmets off is on. Okay, folks, welcome on into another episode of Helmets Off. I'm Scott Mitchell, your host. Thank you for joining us. Uh, If you uh, wouldn't mind, if you would like us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show, and of course, we're powered by kslsports.com. Thank you for for tuning in. Got a fun show today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about (laughs) college athletes, like this is a surprise, are no longer amateurs, or it looks like Things are going to uh, be going in that direction. And then it's the early signing day. Oh, we love early signing day. We love late signing day. And uh, share a little bit about my experience with uh, signing and uh, just kind of the whole process in general. And then here in the state of Utah, what are your favorite sports moments? That's right, folks. 2020. I know they had sports. It was crazy. It stopped. It started. It was halfway. It was in a bubble. It was a lot of things, but it still went on. And for the most part, I think went well. Okay. Let's start off here. The uh, Supreme Court of the United States of America has decided to hear um, these athletes appeal for compensation. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a significant movement. Actually, it's a monumental movement in the sense that so many people have been trying to dismiss this. And and it brings me back to when I played in the NFL before there was a thing called free agency and the people who have all the money are fighting furiously, furiously to keep all the money. And what they failed to realize, and and it's an unfortunate failure, is that what makes, even though they're the ones who have the teams, or or for for this case, the colleges have these football teams, even though they have the teams, their sport is nothing. It's nothing without the athletes. It's nothing without great athletes. It's nothing without – superstars it's nothing without people that uh, um, really bring excitement and give people a reason to watch it's been proven all these spring football leagues with marginal talent don't work because there's it's just not that good i mean there's a there's a certain percentage of people that go i'm going to tune in but they they don't tune in because um 
it's not the best product you could possibly have. So when I, when I, I, the reason I bring up the NFL and free agency and, and what it was and the fact that the players had a valuable position and a critical one, probably more important certainly than the owners, is that it was heavily skewed one direction. And there was, I mean, there was, if a vicious fight took place for years and years, this is wrong and it's just, and it's not right. And then they, the, they had to go to court over it. And the courts finally said, you're right. This is, this is not, not fair. And where college football went wrong or went right was when they started to get really popular and they started to do, you know, and, and, and it was long before Dr. Pepper commercials and the Heisman house and all of these, all of this promotion, all this advertising, everything that goes on. So um, people, universities, college football, who, whoever is behind the curtain on this is making money off of these players. And the players receive a pittance for what they bring. Uh, yeah, they get an education and yes, an education is good, I know a lot of people that make a whole lot more money because they didn't go to college. Uh, Warren Buffett, uh, Bill Gates, uh, the dude at Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg, they, they dropped out of college. And college is another racket, by the way, where just the, <laughs> it's no, it's no, look, they, they say it, it's valuable. You get a degree and you make something of your life. You make something of your life and, and you can do it no matter whether you go to college or not, you'd be very successful. So, so what they're getting, my point is, you get a scholarship. It doesn't. It's not. It's not compensation enough for what you're bringing and the dollars you bring into these universities. So now, all of a sudden, it, and it does. It reminds me of back in my time in the NFL because I was playing when free agency happened, when these lawsuits were going on, when players were standing up and saying this isn't right and so so now now these players are saying something because i think i think we're all caught up in this myth and the myth is that college football is amateur sports and it's not it's a business it's massive it's big business every decision that's made regarding major college football power five football even group of five football uh is is all about money right it's and so it's it's a business, and and these players are now going to be hurt, and and we're in a country where it's called free enterprise, that you can go out and make money, and that you're not, I mean, your purpose in college is to get a job and go out and make money, and and there's no reason whatsoever, no reason whatsoever in the world, why these athletes should not be compensated, and they're, and they're they're going to ask for a lot. Uh, they're going to ask for revenue sharing. And, and uh, you know, as, as I heard this, I'm like, oh, my goodness, that, you know, that that's kind of scary. Because, well, the colleges aren't going to have enough money anymore. And I want to give you a couple of figures where the panic, the hysteria, the worry from these so-called owners or college football programs about making money. When free agency started in the NFL, players shared $31 million of revenue, $31 million of revenue per team 
with the owners. That was the revenue share, okay? And it went to player salaries. Um, two years ago, the sharing that the players got was $191 million per team. And that's just the player's share. So when everyone is compensated, when you have the real ability to let the market work, the true value of what your product is will, will, you know, it will, it will, it will validate itself. And, and I know everybody's freaked out. Players should be because they've been grossly affected by this and haven't benefited from what they've added to this business. But the owners, the colleges, are going to have a much more profitable business when they, they start sharing. And the reason, college football is awesome. It's a great product. People are interested in it. They're interested in these personalities. There's a massive opportunity to grow your business. And, and there's kind of this stubborn, stuck, you know, you have your head stuck in the sand mindset of these colleges like, well, we only have to have a few people playing in the, in the college football championship, and it's baloney. Grow your business, grow your share of the market, expand to new areas, make college football more of a national thing as, as opposed to a regional or a couple of conferences. And everyone wins with this, and it's really just time. It's really just time for everyone to, to quit hiding behind this notion that this is amateur athletics. It's not. It's a massively successful big business opportunity that has even more potential than right now. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. You know what's going to happen next? I'll tell you. Uh, it, was, it was like the early signing day in uh, college football, speaking of uh, businesses, and, uh, and all the fresh blood uh, and the big names and everything uh, these guys have finally signed. What a stressful day. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you all about it, my experience, and my thoughts on it when we return. Welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host with the most, uh, sharing my insights into uh, specific sports topics. Uh, we're going kind of heavy on uh, college football, but why not? Because it's uh, it's a big day for college football. And, uh, of course, National um, Early Signing Day happened and just recently. And, well, um, it's, it's kind of been this uh, new adjustment, right? Recruiting's crazy these days. Kids are getting recruited 12 years old. 10 years old they're getting offers right and left there are all these services there's all these camps there's always there's the nike elite 11 there's blah 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 on and on and on there's all these stars you get a gold star if you're you know so big and so strong and so fast and and you know it's like uh, and you're rated that way and this is this is a new phenomenon but it's also um part of what I talked about in the first segment. College football is big business. College football is popular. And these athletes are seeing these opportunities. And so their their parents and themselves are taking like massive strides 
to ensure we're, we're going to make it. Right? And I, I want to give you an example because I, I watched this kid um, a, a few years ago. So they have these things called junior days. And you take your, your, your athlete, they actually get invited. So my youngest son was invited to a bunch of junior days. So he was at a, a junior day for the University of Washington. And they had this combined thing with Utah State University. Of course, he went to Utah. He went to BYU. And as we travel around to these different, these different universities for junior day, and it's like in June, and it's an opportunity for the coaches to meet and, and see these players up close, and they work them through drills. And they start to get an idea of, you know, an up-close examination of their talent. Well, this Jackson Dart, who is a four-star recruit now from Utah, his football team won the, the state championship. I watched him two years ago. And I remember watching him going, okay, you know, he, he's okay. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, he's just, you know, the best thing since sliced bread made some nice throws, you know, he looked, you know, he looked apart, but, you know, it wasn't like, wow, I, you know, this guy's just, just tearing it up. Well, Jackson Dart lived in a community about 50 miles away from where he ended up. So he went to a high school in Utah, his first, you know, he started as a sophomore. And so sophomore, junior, he goes to one school and then magically he goes to another one for his senior year, which goes undefeated. They're on ESPN, they're ranked nationally, and he goes from a two-star athlete, which is what I would have seen and said when I saw him two years ago, to this four-star product. And so, and so here you have, you have these, uh, these kids and their parents, and they're willing to move, they're willing to mortgage everything. I mean, they are willing to do, and, and the kid goes to USC, one of the, one of the most revered um, He's, you know, programs in the country. He's a top 300 athlete. He's all these wonderful things. And, and, and so much of it is because this demand for recruiting has really changed, really changed. And, and so it, um, it's, 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 a, it's so much of a different process than when, than when I was um, growing up. And, and, and there's, some, there's some interesting things that happen with recruiting that, that I find fascinating. You have a program like Utah. Um, in the Pac-12, how Utah's played in the, in the Pac-12 championship game the last couple of years, put more players in the pros the last few years than any program in the conference in the Pac-12. Um, and, and, they, and they don't get a lot of four-star recruits. And then you have a program like USC, you have these other programs in the country, and it's, it's like every athlete's a four-star recruit. What happens? Why, why is it that Utah can compete? Because they, they've, they've been spectacular at maximizing the potential of the players they bring into the program. As was um, Chris Peterson at Washington. He says, I don't want your four-star recruit. I want the person I know fits into my program. And they, they, have, a, they have a metric that they, they have studied and they've developed over years, years. So it's, it, it's the physical attributes of a lot of these athletes. And they go, 
what kind of body is he going to grow? Because he's going to grow. And what kind of body is he going to grow into? So it's, so it's as much as how tall is your mother? How tall is your father? You know, what are, you know, and uh, it's about grades. It's about, they, they look at all these like factors to kind of project. So they also talk about two sport athletes. And so many of these schools go, if you don't get really good grades and you don't participate in more than one sport, I'm not even interested in you. And this is the top programs in the country. And so, so my point here is that you'll get these four-star recruits and it's probably the best they're ever going to be is right now. And so you look at that player and you go, yeah, he's really good for high school and he had these amazing things happen to him, but where's the upside? Like where, where, where does this guy get better and does he get better? Because quite frankly, they have to get better if they're going to play and be successful in major college football. And it's the same goes going beyond college to the pros. So, so, so a lot of it isn't, Oh great. He's got these stars. It's no, does he fit into our program and do all the metrics that we look at? Do, do, do they work? And, and it's not just about being a great athlete. It's not just about um, having tremendous success and being really polished in, in uh, high school. Uh, JT Daniels, number one recruit in the country, goes to USC. And he looks good. His freshman year, he looks good. But, you know, he's still a freshman. And he makes freshman mistakes. And he played, played Utah. And he got, he got slaughtered. And Utah just took it to him in Salt Lake. And all of a sudden, he gets injured, and in comes this unheralded kid. Three, I don't even know if he was three stars from, from Arizona, Caden uh, Slovis. And now everyone's just gushing about Caden Slovis. And he was nobody coming out of high school. So, so this whole recruiting thing, yeah, it's exciting, but it, it also isn't. Now, <laughs> here's the exciting part. This past football season, Utah had – oh, my goodness. They had uh, – They had I, the, best, the best recruiting class they've ever had a year ago, and this year was better. And they had, I think it was, of the 60 players that played in the, the COVID-shortened season, 35 of them were true freshmen or redshirt freshmen. 35 of the 60, more than half, were young. And they'll have 85 – they'll have – no, they'll have 75 guys on their roster next fall with this incoming class that are freshmen next year or redshirt freshmen. Now, it's, it's screwed up in 2022 because the NCAA gave everyone a pass. So all these guys that stick around for an extra year, 2022, you only get 85 scholarships. So if you're, if you're maxed out or you might only have 10, then – Oh, that's kind of a, that's tough, right? So, uh, so to be in, you know, this COVID has had some, some impact on this. Here, here's, here's my experience, and I'll, I'll share it briefly. It, it, it was, it was a, an amazing time. So I was, this, I was this really good athlete, you know, had an amazing high school career, all state and three sports, state championships, blah, blah, blah. And I was heavily recruited and probably would have been 
heavier, heavierly recruited. And looking back on it, I kind of wish that I had known that where um, I would have liked to have gone to some of these other programs that were really good and just kind of taking a look, like going to Miami, which was, which was an amazing program at the time, or, or some of these other places. And, but I was, a, I was LDS, and I lived 10 minutes from BYU and a quarterback, and there's, like, there's no way in the world this kid is not going to go to BYU. First letter I got was from UCLA. I would have loved to have gone and, and visited there or, or gone and visited USC or, or some of these, you know, top programs on the West Coast to just to, you know, see, if, see what it was like. Because everyone thought, including myself, that I was going to go to BYU. Well, I did go to Stanford. And when I went there, I fell in love with it. And when you're a kid at least for me, I was like, okay, allegiances are out the window. Like, like they don't matter anymore. What matters to me now is my future. So where am I going to go to get the best education, have the best opportunity? And that, and that was, that was what um, drove the day for me uh, when I was in that situation. Now, now that I'm older, like, and I see all these kids from Utah that go to Stanford or go to Oregon or go to these other places. I hate it. I want them all to stay in the state of Utah. I want them all to go to the University of Utah. And I want Utah to be the very best program in the entire nation. And, and, and although when I was younger, I was like, I get why they go. <laughs> now that I'm older and I actually went to Utah, of course, I want them all to come here. Well. Um, what the problem was for me back then was it, it just, it shook me. Like, I was just like, I, I always thought I was going to go to BYU and, and I, and I saw a beautiful campus an amazing education and an opportunity to play two sports. So I was very intrigued and I kind of thought I was really leaning to go to Stanford on Friday back then, which was, the, the signing day was on a Wednesday. So the Friday before the signing day, Stanford called me and said, we're not, we're, we're going to, we're going to sign a quarterback from California and thank you, you know, but no, thank you. And I was, I was devastated. I was like, shoot. Cause I, I really wanted to go there and really thought that's where I was going to go. So Monday night, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing, wow, I gotta, I gotta make a choice like within two days. And I don't know what to do. So I go in my bedroom and I'm praying. And as I'm praying, the phone rings and it's the head coach from the University of Utah. And I'm sitting there going, I don't want to talk to him. I'm trying to get an answer to my prayer. Why would he be calling me right now as I'm praying? How dare he? It's terrible. Not realizing maybe that was the answer to my prayer. Well, it was. Halfway through the conversation on the phone with him, hadn't heard a word he said, but I found this overwhelming sense of peace and I just knew this was the answer to my prayer and this is where I need to go to school and it really didn't make a whole lot of sense it really didn't it, it, it was the best place for me to go if you're just looking at it from football was to go to BYU amazing uh, program for quarterbacks it, it had tremendous success and I would have fallen in place right ahead of Ty Detmer and more than likely would have won the Heisman Trophy and and I for 
I, I forewent, I guess I could say. Uh, I didn't choose to go to BYU. And, and I look at it now, and it was really the best thing in the world for me. It really was, personally. And it was a great choice, and, and it all worked out well. But right now, um, these decisions that these young men make is going to have a huge impact on their life. And it's fun, fun to watch and see how it, how it unfolds. Okay, a lot in that segment there, but, uh, you know, that's what we do from time to time. Uh, when we come back, you know what? We're going to see what was the best sports moment in 2020. All right, folks, welcome back to uh, Helmets Off. Thank you for being a part of the show. Of course, you know, all that, you know, uh, oh, stuff about podcasts and whatever. Uh, all right. So I've, I've got this final segment and we're going to, um, we're going to talk about what is the best moment in, uh, Utah sports for 2020. And this is kind of a fun thing to do. So, of course, um, our digital producer, um, director, Madison Hinkhouse, wrote an article. And it actually has a bracket um, that, uh, of, of kind of having a little, a little fun with this and, and, and like um, figuring out what is the actual best moment in sports uh, for uh, Utah. So, I have mine, and um, I will just tell you uh, that really what I want to tell you is where to go to find this uh, um, this this podcast. Um, so, it's uh, kslsports.com. It's the bracket for best sports in Utah. Let's go to kslsports.com, and you can find the bracket, and you can kind of play along. But for me, I'm just going to tell you what my best sports moment was, bar none. It was that in spite of all of the worldwide challenges and unique things that not a single person living today has ever experienced, this has been un unprecedented in our society of, of the living. I mean, there've been pandemics and there've been major crises, what, you know, in, in the world, uh, but, but none of us alive have seen it. And so it's truly remarkable to me that in the face of all of this, not knowing, not understanding that we somehow found it within ourselves to still have sports to still try. Uh, there was a, you know, a lot of people are like, we got to shut it down. And, and we saw shutting it down was hard, but uh, they found a way to make sports work. And they found it in every single sports venue. Soccer, which really isn't a sport. Uh, hockey, basketball, baseball, football. And, and people had different opinions about how it should work which to me, I think is awesome. Baseball shortened its season. 
it quarantined its uh, teams playing in the World Series in the playoffs. And they, and they had, quite frankly, a successful season and a great champion for the season. NBA got a bubble. And you know what? It worked. And there were, yeah, there were limitations to it and whatever, but it worked. And that was awesome. And, uh, and you saw, you know, Donovan Mitchell really elevate his game in the playoffs. Of course, this all started here in Utah with Rudy Gobert and Donovan, or Don, Rudy Gobert testing positive on March 11th in Oklahoma City. And it just, it really just stopped the world. We saw two Utah Jazz players make the all-star team. We lost Jerry Sloan, who was a great basketball coach and just tremendous out, outpouring. Uh, really a remarkable feat by uh, Tom Homo at, at BYU. They didn't have a, they have a season. They had two games. And somehow found a way to be nationally ranked and be in the discussion for a lot of um, you know, of the postseason consideration, whether it's New Year's Six or even the college football playoffs. And then Zach Wilson really stepping up and having a, a tremendous year. But, I, I, you know, there's, so, there's some great moments in, in, in Utah sports history this year. But really, I think the most remarkable thing is that the games were actually played and they figured out how to do it. And everyone figured it out in their own way. And you know what? It worked. It really worked. All right, Helmets Off is now off. Uh, please go to Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Like us, love us. We're powered by KSL Sports. And until then, uh, we'll see you then. friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.